Uh, well, we're diving in today again, this series called The Struggle is Real, and we've been talking about the struggles that tend to keep us up at night. You know, those worries, fears, and anxieties that maybe you push away during the day, but it's those moments when you've turned off the TV, when you uh, turn off the computer and put your phone down and lay your head on the pillow that you can't run from anymore. The types of things that keep you up at night and stop you from becoming who Christ has you create, who's create, what Jesus has created you to be. Sorry, y'all. It was a mouthful, wasn't it? Uh, and the reality is if you, uh, last week we talked about people pleasing, which was a very difficult subject. So uh, like we said earlier, if you haven't been here until today, the, the struggle is indeed very real. And we're not in the shallow end of the pool in this series. We are talking about some real significant things that challenge the way we think about life and the way we walk through our lives. And we talked about the danger of people pleasing, how it's possible for us to live our lives for other people completely, to live in such a way that we are really controlled by people outside of us instead of the God who created us. So what we're kind of seeing is that, yeah, certainly this is a series about anxiety, about worry, and about fear and all those things, but what we're kind of discovering together is that there's a great danger of being influenced by things that are outside of us rather than being influenced by the one who is inside of us, the Holy Spirit, that we let all of these other things affect who we're becoming instead of relying on Christ. So we talked about last week letting other people control us, and today we're going to talk about letting money and possessions control us. And kind of the point that we're developing through this series, it would be awesome if I would have had this developed before we started, but I'm walking through the word right here with y'all, okay? But the big truth that's kind of coming out of this series is this, to get control of your life, you have to give control of your life to Jesus, to get control of your life, you have to give control of your life to Jesus because this is the truth. Your life is going to be out of control until you surrender control to Jesus. So this is a super personal and challenging message for us and a, really a challenging series. Why is that? Because you and I are a bunch of control freaks. Anybody willing to admit that? Some of you, some of you are like, yo, oh, he better not say that. It's true though. And we have been raised in a world today that tells us that you can do you. You go out there and be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want, make your life happen the way you think that it needs to happen. But the reality is when we think about this from a biblical perspective, the invitation from Jesus is to release the grip that we have in our lives. Because church, security is not found in people. Security is not found in money. Security is not found in temporary happiness, but real security, life-changing security is found when we let Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord of all creation, have control of our lives so that we can become who it is that he wants us to be. That's where we find freedom. That's where we find security. The one who's capable of leading, guiding, and directing our lives. So with all this in mind, we arrive here at Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. This is the word of the Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, talking about the crowd, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid out for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word today. Lord, we come to your word asking you to do what only you can, and that's speak to us today. God, we know that you have a word for us. Every time we open your word, you are speaking to us. So I pray that we would approach this text in such a way that we hear your truth, that we receive it, that we have ears to hear, but also that we have hands and feet to walk this out on a day-in, day-out basis. Lord, we're thankful for your presence here, that we can trust that you are moving and you are speaking. And God, I pray that you would help me to say the words that you would have me to say. Hide me behind your cross so that the gospel is clearly presented and your truth is laid out in such a way that we can take hold of it in our lives. By your spirit, would you challenge us, change us, mold and shape us into who you want us to be. Thank you for what you're gonna do. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, today we're gonna talk about the struggle revolving around money and possessions. And more specifically, uh, what we're calling this today, now if you have a study guide, you will see that it said, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Uh, that's just because I thought that was fun. Really, kind of the title of this message would be, The Struggle of Enough. Last week was the struggle of people pleasing. Today is the struggle of enough. We live in a world where it seems like no matter what you have, it is never enough, right? Uh, so it's like, how much money do you need? I don't know uh, however much I have when I get the next check, right? Uh, how much, uh, how big a house do you need? Well, the next one, right? We live in a world that seems to be about accumulation and about getting more. Uh, I'm meeting with the financial planner this week. I'm into that kind of stuff. And some of you may be too. And, and you know, in that world, the question that inevitably comes up is what's your number? What is the number? How much do you need to be able to retire? How, how much do you need to be able to do this? In fact, there's a whole generation of people my age, they call it the fire movement uh, of investing and retiring early. And it's like, how much do I need to get so I can live off of my investments so I don't have to uh, go to work anymore or I can do what I'm passionate about instead of doing anything else? And, and this is a thing. And, and everywhere in our world, I think we are constantly seeing things that are telling us we don't have enough. We need more. In an article in Table Talk magazine, Dr. Mike Emlett writes this. Consider how much of your life revolves around your financial stability. You awake in a warm bedroom because you paid the electric bill. You had breakfast because you bought groceries. You commuted to work because you paid for a train ticket or gas for your car. You wore store-bought clothes that were appropriate for your vocation or the occasion. Almost everything your hands touch today has dollar signs associated with it. That last line stuck with me this week after I read it, that almost everything you touch today has dollar signs attached to it. In this kind of world, it's no wonder that money and possessions occupies much of our thinking, feeling, and even doing. 
And here in Luke 12, we're going to see how Jesus is going to talk to us about how we're to think in a world where money and possessions are a part of our every day and our every moment of our lives. So we're here in Luke 12, and just in, if you're visiting with us, you need to know we've been walking through Luke for a while now. So I didn't just say, hey, we need to do a money sermon. Let's make this happen. That's, that's not what we did. But God has brought us here for such a time as this. So if you're here today, uh, you need to know this is like a year and a half of the making for you to be here on the day that God's brought us to this passage as we think about money and possessions. And here in this conversation that we've been studying, somebody in the crowd yells to Jesus, hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. Basically, tell my brother to give him what he owes me. And I love Jesus' response. He almost is just like, hey, this isn't the people's court, okay? But let's talk about money. And he uses this as an opportunity to address money and possessions. And he does it in such a very clear and succinct way that I think is very beneficial to us. He uses this opportunity to bring this up. In verse 15, he says this. This is his response. Take care and be on your guard. So basically a double warning. Watch out. Be careful to guard against all covetousness. And then listen to this phrase. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This is really the thesis statement of this section of scripture right here in verse 15. He makes it clear. This is our first big truth today. Life is more than money and possessions. Life is more than money and possessions. Now, I recognize right now you're probably not scrambling to get a pen so that you can write this little gem down. You're like, this guy had to go to seminary to figure that out? Genius, right? But this is actually something I think we need to be reminded of on a regular basis because whether uh, you look at that and you're like, well, duh, but the reality is we live our lives as if the opposite of this were true much of the time. Everything in our life tends to revolve around money and stuff. But Jesus says, no, we need this warning. Beware, take care, be on guard against coveting. Coveting, of course, just means to want things that you don't have. And most of the time, what holds us back from getting those things we don't have is money. So it's easy to find ourselves dwelling and thinking about money and possessions all the time. So Jesus says, watch out. Life is more than money and possessions. He goes into this simple yet powerful parable. So a guy has a good year. God blesses him and he has a large crop and he thinks, what am I going to do? How am I going to get all this stuff put up? So he says, here's what I'll do. I'm going to build a bigger barn going to build a bigger barn. Now, it's at this point that I need to remind you uh, that this accent isn't put on, but I did grow up in Southeast Texas on a farm, okay? And across the street from me was my grandpa who also had a small farm. Uh, so I'm just going to tell you every time I read Luke 12, particularly this passage, I think of my dad and my grandpa because those are two men who it seems like have always been in pursuit of the perfect big barn, in fact, my grandfather uh, was that, that guy. And when I say barn, he, he built uh, probably in the early 2000s this big epic barn. And it was his dream. Some people have a dream home. He had a dream barn, okay? And no, I'm not talking about a barn dominium, okay? It was like the kind you put hundreds of round bales of hay in, okay? 
True story, my, my dad tells me that when my grandfather went to the Astrodome for the first time, so you know it's been a while, throwback, right? Uh, so years and years ago, walked into the Astrodome, and the first thing that my grandfather said when he walked in and saw the majestic uh, wonder of the world that they called the Astrodome, he said, this building right here will hold many a bale of hay, son. <laughs> that guy. So he built this dream barn, and unfortunately, though, in 2005, Hurricane Rita went directly over my hometown and took down his barn. That's sad, isn't it? But here's the thing. Paul Paul was convinced that it wasn't the hurricane that was a direct hit to our uh, home and our farms, but rather it was poor craftsmanship. So when they came back and put it back up and put it back together, he sat there on his side-by-side and watched every single part of that process happen. And uh, hey, it's still, Paul Paul's gone on to be in glory, but the barn is still there, y'all. And over across the street, a few years later, my dad now has built this massive barn. And when we're driving into Spurger to this day, my kids, when they see the, the roof of that barn, it's one of the first things they see and they say, Papa's farm, they know that we're there. So I tell you all of that to tell you that Jesus is not so concerned about barns. I know we have farmers in the room today. You need to know that Jesus isn't concerned about your barn and the size of your barn. But as a kid, every time I would read that when they were building barns, I'm like, I don't know, Paul Paul, judge for yourself, right? It's the Bible. But Jesus isn't so concerned about the barn and the size of your barn, but rather what Jesus is concerned about here is us measuring life by the wrong things. For us finding life and meaning in the wrong things. Jesus said that life is more than money and possessions. Life is not found in the abundance of money and possessions. After this man finishes building the barns, what happens? He's hoarded all his stuff. He has a conversation with his own soul, which is how you know it's a parable. Do any of you like, hello, soul, I've got something to say, right? But this guy says to his soul, hey, soul, you got plenty of stuff. Don't worry. You can be content forever because we've got plenty. The strength of our hands has built this barn and we are ready to go for the rest of our lives. Eat, drink, have a good time. Live your best life now. You got this. But God says to him, you fool, tonight is going to be your last night. And all of this provision, all of this stuff, all of the abundance, what will it be for? Who will it be for? Don't miss this. Jesus said that we have a tendency in our souls, on the soul level. That's why Jesus said that he said to his soul, on the soul level, we have this tendency to find life, value, meaning, and hope in temporary things that will not satisfy. All of us have experienced this, right? You know, where you think that this is going to really satisfy your life. I don't know what this is for you. For some people, it's maybe money, maybe a certain number. For you, maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's a better job, or something out there. But like, once we get this, then my life is really going to be complete. When I have this, everything is going to be so much better. And have you ever been there, and then when you get this, this ain't so good? You get it, and you're like, this is not satisfying like I thought it was. So what do we do then? On to the next one. On to the next one. 
because temporary things are never going to satisfy. We think things will bring us contentment, but they don't. I have a one and a half year old son who has learned very, very quickly, really quicker than uh, my girls did, that if adults are eating it, it's probably better than what he's eating. We have a kid who learned that, like, you know, he's over there getting something like mashed up sweet potatoes. And we're like, yeah, this is the best pizza we've ever had. And he's like, wait a second. So he's figured that out. But what's interesting to me is he doesn't know the difference yet in what's good and what's not. So I'm about to offend some of you who apparently love steamed vegetables, but not my favorite. I know I look like a vegetarian, but anyways. So I love that, like, I will be eating some steamed broccoli and my kiddo is like, desperately wanting it. And he doesn't know that I'd, I'd rather have the mashed sweet potatoes at this point. You know what I'm saying? But he's just like, oh, dad, you know, he talks already. He's one and a half and he has fluid speech. It's amazing. Not really. He groans. He reaches for me. He cries. He makes all kinds of noise. He's like, just, uh, uh, just desperately wants it. And because I'm a good loving dad, sometimes I give him his way and like, you want some? Here you go. And I wish you could just see his little face when he gets a hold of something. He's like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I immediately regret this decision, right? Like, it's just this calf, like, what is happening? Because what we desperately think we want doesn't satisfy us. But, but let's go on the other end here because sometimes it does satisfy, right? Like, I don't want broccoli. You know what I want? I want a big old bowl of ice cream. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to go to Cold Stone and get some of that peanut butter ice cream. I'm ready, right? Visiting Nate the other day. It's like 11 o'clock. He goes, you want some ice cream? And I was like, yes, but I'm not going to do it. I didn't get ice cream, did I, Nate? Yeah, willpower. You're welcome. All right. But man, I want some ice cream. That's what I'm wanting, right? And, and I love ice cream. I love the way it tastes. Like that's what I want instead of broccoli. But here's the thing. It tastes very good and it satisfies in the moment. But y'all, like I'm headed like on a crash course with type 2 diabetes if I don't change my life. You know what I'm saying? So the reality is it temporarily satisfies, but in the end it can lead to a place that's not so good, right? So here's what I'm saying. We have a tendency to take the things of the world and say, this will satisfy me. This will fix my life. This will make me content. This will bring me hope. This is what life is all about. But what we figure out is that the things of this temporary world will never satisfy. They were never designed to satisfy our lives. Money and possessions can never satisfy. Why? Because they're just temporary. So the question becomes, how do we deal with the struggle for enough? How do we live a life that views money and possessions in the right way? Because like we said earlier, I think this is an ever-present reality for us. Money is not going away in our world. And our fallen world is full of potential problems for those who don't rightly think about these issues. So there's a couple important truths that I think we see arising from this conversation with Jesus here that I want us to note. The first one is this. Life is not about accumulation. It's about abiding in Christ. Life is not about accumulation. It's about abiding in Christ. Now, this truth is going to sound a lot like what we talked about last week, but that's something that Jesus is trying to get into our heads and our hearts. When we elevate money and possessions to a place that they were never meant to be, they will let us down every single time. So the call is to put Christ in his rightful place, 
to trust in Jesus, not anything else. So in our world today, the truth is it's so easy to find security, hope, and trust in things that are not Christ. We get comfortable with our bank account. We get comfortable with the size of our house. That's what we're after. We get comfortable with having the right vehicle and having the right stuff in our lives. Get a big enough barn and then we'll have security to feel good about our lives. Now, some of you in here right now are like, you ain't talking about me. My barn's small, right? But on the other end of this, the reality is maybe you're not finding security in those things and hope in those things, but you're living a life that is fearful. You're living a life of worry, anxiety, and concern because you're stressed out about the size of your barn, the size of your house, the quality of your vehicles, the quality of your life, the money and possessions that you have or don't have. What I want you to see is that whichever side of this you're living on, it's really two sides of the same coin. Church, listen to me. Don't rest in your resources. Rest in the resurrected Savior. Do not rest in your resources, but instead the call is to rest in the resurrected Savior. And when you rest in the resurrected Savior, you can have a conversation with your soul. Some of you today need to, some of you are like, that guy was weird. You need to have a conversation with your soul today and say, soul, whether we have plenty or whether we're broke, We have security because our security isn't found in possessions. Our security, our life is hidden with Christ our God. Because here's the reality, markets fail. Jobs are lost. The world is always going up and down. But can I tell you something? Treasure that is built up for the kingdom of God, our salvation, our inheritance... It isn't in a 401k. Our inheritance isn't in a simple IRA. Our inheritance is kept in heaven waiting for us, according to 1 Peter 1. Isn't that incredible? It is untouchable. Nothing that happens to you here can affect what is awaiting us in glory. You can take that to the bank. See what I did in money? Bank? Okay. Okay. Apparently not. This is the type of contentment we're looking for, isn't it? This is the kind of contentment we need. It's the kind of contentment that Paul talks about to the church in Philippi. I brought these verses with me on the screen, but you may want to write this down and look it up later. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you thought that was about hitting the baseball, didn't you? I'm not going to get on a Philippians 4.13 tangent. We use that verse for all kinds of weird stuff, right? Like, I'm going to win this. Listen. I was like the, I was this size kid when I was in high school running cross country and I could not win a cross country race through Christ who strengthened me. (laughs) This ain't going to happen, you know? Oh, okay. I don't have time to do that right now. Let's stay on task. What is this verse about? 
This verse is about whatever is happening in your life. Even when you lose the cross country race, even when a kid has a seizure and recovers and beats you still, true story. <laughs> he was close to the finish line. I mean, you know, I just walked him across. Does that count? He had help. I don't know. Still contesting it 15 years later. Whatever circumstance you are in, your strength is not in those circumstances. Your strength is not in anything else. Our strength comes from Christ, from Christ. Jesus is our rock. He is the only steady source of contentment in our lives and he will never fail you. Before we go today, I wanna to get real practical with you. How can we put this truth into practice? And I wanna do that by giving you a truth. You know, Jesus doesn't do this here. I wish that I could say, hey, here's five things to help you. Not, that's not what Jesus does in this text. But I wanna give you a thought that I hope will be rumbling around in your head and heart over the next week as you wrestle with this struggle for enough. And here's the truth. We have to live with money, not for money. You see that subtle difference? It's subtle, but it's there. Money is a reality of life in this world. It's a reality of every day, just like we said earlier. In fact, the Bible has much to say about money and finances. This message is not a call to burn down the barns and to just throw our, all of our money into the wind and give up. In fact, there is a biblical case to be made for saving money for a later day. The Bible has a lot to say about finances. In fact, here at our church, we do at least once a year, sometimes twice a year if there's a need, uh, host Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. It's all about getting out of debt and setting up your savings, preparing to build wealth so that you can use it for God's glory. We are all about that. We're not anti-money. But here's where I want to warn you today. In America, in Western culture, the line between being a good steward of our finances and obsessing about money is very, very blurry. It's very, very blurry. It's so easy to find ourselves consumed with money and finances, so consumed that we end up living for money instead of with money. The truth is only God's wisdom can help us with this today. We don't want to obsess over our finances, but we do want to be good stewards of our finances. Even those who have gone through Dave Ramsey, Crown Financial, like whatever financial guru you may have set yourself up on, all of that is well and good. Like I said, we literally teach that program here, but even doing things the right way can lead to you obsessing over your finances and finding security in something that was never meant to bring you security. So yes, have a plan. Yes, work hard to provide for your family. Yes, establish savings. Yes, cast your bread upon the water so that in due time it will come back to you. All of these things, yes and amen to that. But we must regularly check our hearts and ask God to help us keep money and possessions in the rightful place. I've got a friend of mine who is super into financial planning and we are nerdy together about it. We like to talk about it and dream about it and think about what's happening in our lives. And uh, we'll probably talk about twice a month on the phone and we'll end up talking for an hour or two most of those times, talking about where we're at, what our plans are, how we're gonna do this, what we're gonna invest in, how all this stuff is working. And you know, we've got literally tens and tens of dollars on the line as we're having these conversations. So 
But, but I'm not going to lie, this guy has just done really, really well. He has played the cards that God has dealt him in an incredible way, and he and his wife have made wise decisions with their money, and they are on track to build wealth that they're going to be able to use for the kingdom of God. And it's so cool. We love visiting about it. We love talking about it. I've even told Mallory, like, they have done extremely well. They are killing it right now. But a couple weeks ago, he called me, and it was a different type of phone call. When he called me, he said that he had been to the doctor and got some test results that were the kind of concerning kind, uh, the kind that indicated you need some more tests, but when you go home and Google what his results are, most of the time it ends up in a terminal illness. So there were a couple of scary, scary weeks that we walked through, and by God's grace, got further testing, and, and again, by God's grace, he's, he's okay, and, and that's a, a blessing and a, a praise, but I want to tell you something. In that two weeks and even since then, we hadn't been talking about what baby step we're on, the Dave Ramsey program. We hadn't been talking about what we're investing in. We haven't been talking about what we're going to pay off next. You know what we talked about? Talked about our kids. We, we talked about our family. We talked about our work in a meaningful way. We talked about the things that matter. We talked about life. Now listen, I'm not naive enough. Give us a few weeks, we're gonna be plotting our financial empire again, okay? We all know how that works, right? But you know what this was for me? This was just a stark reminder that every single one of us are just a phone call away from not being worried about money and stuff anymore. All of us are just a phone call away, a moment away about our priorities being lined up in a very, very different way. Why? Because the things that we tend to worry about, think about, stress about, lose sleep about are things that will not matter in a hundred years. Friends, we're called to be good stewards of our finances. We want to be wise in the way that we think about, use, and share the money God's given us. But as we struggle to do this on a day-in and day-out basis, let's remember the good news today. The good news is that we have Jesus. And in Jesus, we have riches beyond measure and an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. And because of that, we can live wisely with our money and plan well, yes, do all those things, but we can live for what life is really about. That's Jesus and his mission. So my prayer today is that you won't leave thinking about money. Should we think about our money? Yes, take some time to do that. But my heart is that we will leave today thinking about Jesus and the security that he brings us. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, help us today. It is so easy for us to be concerned and consumed with money and possessions. We live in a world that's consumed with these things. Yet, Lord, we know that you want to have a people of your own possession. Lord, don't let us be possessed by the things of this world, but let us be your people and the money and the stuff you bless us with, help us use it for your kingdom good. Help us use it to bless others. Help us uh, plan wisely to take care of our families and advance your kingdom. But Lord, I pray that ultimately we would be able to know together 
that you are all we need. How do we solve the struggle for enough? It's by knowing that you are enough for us. Thank you for your word.